and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show, nationwide from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin is the newly elected governor of Virginia. And he has decided to stop the mask mandates inside Virginia schools. He's allowing parents to choose whether they want their children masked or not. And some school districts have gone to court to stop him. But Glenn Youngkin has also done something else, even more controversial. Glenn Youngkin is committed to school choice so that parents who send their kids to failing public schools can move their children to better schools, private or public. I noticed something over the weekend. Some of the progressive agitators in Virginia, by the way, I mean, they are just going to war with the guy. He's he's barely been sworn in as governor. And you would think the man was an authoritarian dictator for whom a new civil war needed to be declared. And in fact, I saw a progressive agitator in Virginia over the weekend declaring that there we were at war. This was a civil war. Glenn Youngkin was going to segregate the schools again. And we needed to stand up against segregation by fighting Glenn Youngkin. How was Glenn Youngkin going to segregate the schools of Virginia? By allowing kids and parents to pick which schools they wanted to go to. By giving poor kids a way out of failing public schools. That was apparently somehow segregation. And I I started thinking about this. You know, the left is at war with language. Now, you've got to understand that part of this is from neo-Marxism, and I don't say that lightly. I don't try to go all hysterical all the time about, oh, they're communists, they're Marxists, they're moving to the, the Overton window. It's it's all Saul Alinsky, you know. You know, most of the people I know who read Saul Alinsky's book are conservatives, not progressives. Most progressives don't even know what the hell you're talking about. And, and I, I know some of you will be upset with me because you've decided you're an expert on Saul Alinsky. And, oh, my gosh, it's the progressive playbook. They may be using his tactics, but his tactics aren't necessarily tactics that only Saul Alinsky knew. It is true that Barack Obama was a student of Saul Alinsky, as was Hillary Clinton. But it's not like your average leftist that says, I'm going to read Saul Alinsky and learn how to do this. We are more experts on Alinsky than they are. They, they just they use the tactics but it just happens to be the way they're brought up in politics. What it is, though, derives from a postmodernism. Postmodernism believes the the, the constructs, and I hate to use the word construct, but the constructs of postmodernism are about language. There is no reality. And there is no truth. And one of the ways they convince you of this is the exceptions to the rule and making you feel sorry for the exception. So if I look out my office window right now, I see blue sky. But what about the colorblind person? 
the colorblind person is not going to see the blue sky. So how can there really be blue sky? How do I know that someone else, unless I have lived with their eyes, sees the sky the same way I do? So how can it be true that the sky is blue? People find it hard to argue with that. They go along. And language is suddenly twisted. Truth itself is suddenly twisted. Now, we know ultimately it's actually about light refraction and reflection. And the sky itself, per se, is not blue. But it's you and I, we look up at the sky. And you may see clouds where you are. And if, if it's clouds where you are and it's blue skies where I am, well, then your reality is different from mine. But you know and I know at an intellectual level, if you... See the world without the clouds in the sky. The sky looks blue. And the, the postmodernists would argue with you over that and say it's not really true. The colorblind person doesn't see it that way. You may see the shade of blue differently than I see the shade of blue. So we can't really say that it's blue, except we can. But they refuse, and they demand that we refuse. And suddenly, slowly, they twist the language. Fifty, sixty years ago, segregationists were opposed to black children entering the doors of white schools. My mother in rural Louisiana went to a segregated high school that desegregated over time. She is of that age where that's what happened, particularly in the South, but it was also in the North. Ted Kennedy, of uh, the, the, the liberal lion of the Senate, they called him, the hero of the left for years. Ted Kennedy opposed busing in Massachusetts because they didn't want non-white kids going to the rich white kids' public schools. The media would have you believe it was all about the South, but the North, to some degree, was even more racist. In fact, uh, back during the 60s and 70s, you had an immigration back into the South from people who had fled to the North over Jim Crow, and they were tired of the racism of the North. But 50, 60 years ago, the segregationist was the person who wouldn't let a black kid into a white kid's school. Now, think about this. They're screaming that Glenn Youngkin is a segregationist in Virginia. And what is the segregation Glenn Youngkin is trying to force on Virginia? Allowing parents to choose where their kids go. That apparently is segregation. Racism now. They are changing that as well. You are considered a racist if you're colorblind. If you live up to what Martin Luther King Jr. wanted to judge someone by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, you now are a racist. They keep changing the definition. It's bizarre, and yet it's happening. The Anti-Defamation League is in on the act now. This is what the Anti-Defamation League was up until a couple of weeks ago. Racism is the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another, that a person's social and moral traits are predetermined by his or her inborn biological characteristics. Racial separatism is the belief most of the time based on racism 
that different races should remain segregated and apart from one another. That is the classic definition of racism, the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another. And that a person's social and moral traits are predetermined by those biological characteristics. They've changed the definition of racism at the Anti-Defamation League. Now it is racism is the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. In other words, you can't be racist unless you're white. They've gone woke. The marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. That's not racism. That's the way it can manifest itself. But racism is, as the Aid Alliance uh, Anti-Defamation League once said, the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior. But the left is changing the language. It's all part of postmodernism. It's part of intersectionality. It's part of critical theory. Or what about female? Is Leah Thompson, the University of Pennsylvania swimmer, a female? Leah Thompson has the male reproductive organs. Leah Thompson has the, I'm not, I, I just, I don't want to say the word. On national radio, there could be kids listening. But Leah Thompson has the male body parts. Leah Thompson, uh, to my knowledge, is not on testosterone suppressing drugs. Was for a year, but I don't know that Leah Thompson is still on them. He's dating a girl. The women on his swim team say he sometimes walks around without a towel and it makes them very uncomfortable because he has the male body parts and is dating a woman. Is he a lesbian or is he a guy? He has years of muscle and bone development with the benefit of male levels of testosterone before taking a year of testosterone suppressing drugs, does that now make him female? The left will redefine what it means to be a male and a female. They'll even redefine what it means to be a victim. When people push back on the bully, but the bully is woke, suddenly it's the bully who's the victim. They're twisting language. And you know the way to fight, the way to fight this, is to not play the game. You know, it is hard sometimes. I myself have slipped up in the conversation about Leah Thompson and said she, not he. I saw Al Mohler, the the well-known, highly regarded conservative evangelical minister who is the leader of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, Someone got very angry with him. A group of people got very angry with him because he was talking about the Leah Thompson situation, condemning it, by the way, and slipped up and called him a a she. They're like, well, you can't really believe it. He called her she. It's easy to slip into it. Everybody does it. The name is Leah. Leah is a, is a female name. The best way to win is to not play the game. But I, I do want you to pay attention to something that's going on here, though. And this is really, really important. We are headed back 
to being a segregated racist society. And I think that's bad for all of us. I think it's very bad for all of us. But it's the left that's doing it. It's not the right. It's not the, I was watching a Dave Chappelle uh, thing on Netflix and he referred to the Tiki Torch Whites, you know, after Charlottesville, the Tiki Torch Whites. It's not the Tiki Torch Whites that want us to be a segregated racist society these days. It is the neo-racists, the neo-segregationists are on the left. They don't want black families to have a choice in where their kid goes to school. They want to keep them in failing schools. They want to segregate them by race and tell those black kids they will always be treated inferior by white people. They will always be the victim. And then they also want to degrade women's sports. We've had massive progress with Title IX in public education and in sports. We've advanced women's sports. We've uh, put women's sports at a competitive level with men. And now they want to let men into the women's sport. A man who still has his male reproductive organs and is dating a woman gets to be on a woman's team and you're a bigot if you don't call him a her. This is postmodernism. It is where insanity redefines itself as sane and the sane people are treated as if they're insane. And the only way to deal with it is to not play with it. It's to hold your ground. It's to dig your heels in and say, no, I refuse to go along with crazy town. Social media may censor you. Social media may punish you. But you don't need social media to be the arbiter of truth because the people who run social media are part of crazy town. If you want to opt out of crazy town, you don't play crazy games. Don't do it. Don't embrace it. Don't claim that segregation is somehow allowing black parents to get their children out of failing schools. Don't claim that racism is refusing to see race and instead judging people by the content of their character. And don't allow them to define a woman as someone who was a man and decided otherwise. Don't play Crazy Town's games. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan in Noonan, Georgia. But you hear Noonan, Georgia, and think, man, they can't help me. Actually, they can help you nationwide, anywhere in the United States. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. If your small business wants to be a big business and banks are just giving you the runaround like they are right now, reach out to my friends, the Frost family, First Liberty Building and Loan in Noonan. They can help you anywhere in the nation if your small business wants to grow. Uh, but we're talking big deals, 500000 and up. So don't don't waste them on the small ball stuff. But the big stuff, they can help you, and they make their own lending decisions. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. All right. All right, all right, all right. I, I got I to gotta go to this most bizarre story that I could not get to earlier. Oil and gases. L- l- listen to this. A federal judge on Thursday canceled oil and gas leases of more than 80 million acres in the Gulf of Mexico, ruling the Biden administration did not sufficiently take climate change into account when it auctioned off the leases. The Interior Department must conduct a new environmental analysis that accounts for greenhouse gas emissions that would result from the eventual development and production of the leases. After that, the agency will have to decide whether to hold a new auction. The environmentalists, of course, are are cheering this on, but what does it do? It undermines our national security. It undermines our availability for fossil fuels. It undermines our availability to get cheap petroleum in the United States to get cheap fuel. Shell, BP, Chevron, and ExxonMobil offered $192 million 
for the right to drill in about 1.7 million acres in the area offered. The leases hadn't been issued. Rudolph Contreras said the Interior Department acted arbitrarily and capriciously in excluding foreign consumption from their greenhouse gas emissions and that it was required to do so under the National Environmental Policy Act from 1970 that says the government must consider ecological damage. Now, are they going to appeal? It doesn't appear that they're going to appeal it. This is absurd. This is going to drive up the cost of the poor. And have you noticed that the um, the environmental policies of the left to fight climate change are taxes on the poor. The rich people can afford it. That reminds me. So I'm watching the the Rams game last night against the 49ers. Wow, Garoppolo in that pass at the end. Oh, I mean, they weren't going to win it anyway. Oh, oh, that was bad. But uh, they show pictures of celebrities there. Leonardo DiCaprio is in there. He's got a chin diaper on, uh, his mask pulled down. He's about the only celebrity they showed Without a ma- with a mask on, and his was pulled down. He was talking to somebody. Uh, the governor of California didn't have a mask on, was talking to Magic Johnson, who has HIV. I think he's like the, the most medically fragile there, and he's without a mask on, and the governor's without a mask on. Everybody's hanging out in a massive stadium, and hardly anybody's got masks on, except for the poor people in the high seats. All the rich people without their masks on. And all those rich people... They're there in that stadium. What was their carbon footprint? You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a major environmentalist. He flies around the world on private jets to make sure you know he cares and takes vacations on big yachts with lots of women who he's flown in with their own carbon footprint. And yet they want poor people to buy the expensive light bulbs. And, you know, frankly, over time, if a poor person bought an LED bulb, lead bulb, the bulb would actually save them money. It's highly efficient with power. They get cheaper power bills, but right now they can't afford the $20 bulb when they can get the $3 bulb. And the $3 bulb will cost them over time more power, but they don't have the available income at the moment to take the more expensive, more efficient option. And yet the left wants to force them to. So many of the environmentalists out there have never lived life as a poor person. They don't understand that poor people sometimes can't make the expensive choice now that will save them long-term money because they don't have the money to make that choice. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, just just as a side note. Uh, so if you follow me on Instagram at EW Erickson, you will often see I'm, I'm cooking it on Sundays mentioned this several times uh, that I invite friends over and cook up stuff. And I made bacon wrapped shrimp last night. But before that, I made uh, pizza for the family. I have what's called a rock box. Now, there's a thing called an uni. Uh, and it's the American competitor. It came out after rock box. Rock box, I actually like it way better than the uni for a variety of reasons. Um, the rock box is actually from Great Britain and it is a small tabletop portable pizza oven. You can do a Neapolitan pizza in the rock box. It meets the specifications of what is it? Neapolitano, whatever pizzeria, whatever it's, it's the guidelines. You can do a wood fired, uh, pizza 
the thing gets up to about 950. You can do one. I can crank out a pizza in a minute and a half max in this thing. Uh, even on low heat, it's fantastic. And I, so they have what I can't afford it right now, but I really, they've got a bigger version called the dome that's come out and you can put two pizzas in at a time instead of one. And you can do pita breads as I really want one of these things, but I had to break out the rock box last night because it's been a while and my gosh, I'm going to have to do a, um, a pizza recipe and the brisket recipe. If y'all want to get on the recipe list, it's free. I finally moved it over to Substack and I got them every week. Omaha steaks decided to sponsor it. Uh, and I got a, a street chicken taco. It's one of the meals that I make on the front porch all the time now is these chicken tacos. They're really good. Uh, if you text the word recipe to 33777, uh, you can get the link and subscribe. You can subscribe for free. You can subscribe for pay as well. All the money goes to one day buy me my my pizza dome and all the groceries to come up with a meal prep. But nonetheless, uh, you can you can subscribe for free. There's no charge to get the recipes. Text recipe to 33777. Um, now I want to talk about some polling that's come out. Now, Monmouth University polling is not necessarily the best polling company out there, but they've got a very interesting poll and I find it interesting. Steve Kornacki, Steve Kornacki from MSNBC is circulating it. Monmouth University has asked this question. What is your opinion on the following statement? It's time we accept that COVID is here to stay, and we just need to get on with our lives. What is the poll result? 70% agree, 28% disagree. Only 2% have no opinion or don't know. Among Republicans, it's 89 agree, 9 disagree. Among independents, it's 71% agree, 26% disagree. Among Democrats, it's 47% agree, 51% disagree. So among Republicans and independents, overwhelmingly, it's time to move on, 70%. It's the Democrats who are the hangup, and they're basically statistically tied 51 say, no, it's not time to move on. 47% say, yes, it is. A minority of Democrats say we need to not move on. And this is causing problems at the national and the state level. And when you think about it, I was somewhat shocked last night watching the uh, the Rams game against the 49ers where so many people were in the stands without masks on. It was in Los Angeles. thought they had to wear masks. Nobody was wearing masks. Even the governor of the state hanging out with Magic Johnson, not wearing a mask. But overwhelmingly in blue states and in Democrat states, life has not gone back to normal. I saw a CNN article earlier. Uh, this CDC, CDC map shows when life can go back to normal, and it shows every single county in America is bright red except for two, one in South Texas and another one, and they're based on a lagging reporting. But that red map, every county red, means that the CDC says they're all in, in high COVID zones. And until the map color changes, we can't go back to normal. And they were documenting in different places around the country how there are mask mandates in certain parts of North Carolina. There are mask mandates in, in statewide in some areas. There are other requirements. And I'm thinking, not where I am. And that's how the Democrats can 
51% of them disagree with the statement. It's time we accept that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives because they live in states where institutionally, philosophically, the loudest controlling voices say, no, we can't let go. We can't move on. We must stay where we are. Dr. Fauci does not want his 15 minutes of fame to slip. I think Dr. Fauci should do a four-hour interview with Joe Rogan. Dr. Fauci doesn't want his clout to go away. He doesn't want us to return to normal. If we return to normal, Dr. Fauci wouldn't get the speaking gigs. We need to return to normal, and it's obvious we need to return to normal, and more and more people are returning to normal. When you have a level of independence and Republicans who say, move on and it's and 47% of democrats say move on it's time to go back to normal now dr fauci started to use this interesting phrase that uh we'll go back to normal but it'll be a slightly different normal you know the new normal the new normal i don't think we're ready for a new normal i i think we're I think we're all ready to go back to life the way it was before COVID. I know I am. Now, I've got to be a little more cautious, but i got to be a little more cautious about things generally. The polling suggests, and by the way, uh, Monmouth University polling is not the most accurate pollster in the nation. So I find it interesting when Steve Kornacki at MSNBC begins circulating this, and you can begin to see the conversations changing in the media. So here's what I find very interesting, and and this goes back to the Joe Rogan stuff to a degree with uh, the left really upset about Joe Rogan and his listeners and whether they're being misled. Overwhelmingly, my friends on the right just kind of march to their own drummer. Very individual. Some listen to the prevailing authorities. Some chose to listen to the conspiracy theorists. Some of the conspiracies turned out to be right. A lot of them did not. But they kind of picked their own sources and did their own thing, and they listened to the voices they trusted. Overwhelmingly, the left listened to the government. Except during the Trump administration, you will recall, they were upset they felt like Trump wasn't listening to the government. And then on the vaccine, they themselves on the left were the ones casting doubt on the vaccine and the efficacy of the vaccine because it was Donald Trump. But the expert says you get the vaccine and you won't get sick anymore. And then you got the vaccine and you did start getting sick. And yet they still want to listen to the experts. On the right, individually and, and, and corporately, they were listening to various authorities, various people, not all of them in sync. And on the left, they tended to just listen to what does Dr. Fauci say? What does Dr. Fauci say? And, and, and binding their opinions to one fallible man as opposed to on the right where there were a bunch of fallible sources, but together collectively you tended to get a better picture of what was going on over time. And so a lot of us on the right got to opinions that are now being echoed in the New York Times and the Washington Post well before they did. So, for example, last year, if you were listening to this program, I was telling you it is very obvious that COVID is seasonal. That in the summer it's peaking in the south because in the summer – People are, uh, or I'm sorry, in the summer, 
yeah, people are, it's peaking in the south because people are inside in the air conditioner. And as the fall gets here and the cool weather goes down, you would see it recede. But in the north, as the fall got there, the weather got cool and people went inside, you would see in the north, COVID peaks in the winter. And if it got cold in the south, it would peak in, again in the south because people would be inside in the heater. Sure enough, that's what happened. We were talking about this last summer. I mean, it was beginning to be obvious around the fall of 2020, but fully into 2021, it was obvious that it has a seasonal pattern. Just like every other virus out there, it has a seasonal pattern. And, you know, Ron DeSantis uttered this, that it was seasonal, and the reason it was spiking in Florida was because it was very hot outside, people were inside, and it would peak in the wintertime in New York when it was cold outside and people were inside. The Washington Post condemned him. So that wasn't backed by science. It was false. How dare he? Today, the Washington Post has a story that COVID appears to be taking on the pattern of seasonality in the viral spread. When Tom Cotton said it probably leaked from a lab, they condemned him and called him a racist. Now it looks like leaked from a lab and everybody knows it. Masking during the height of the pandemic when we had the alpha and the beta and the and the delta variants looked like it was an efficient way to get a little bit of reduction enough to help mitigate the spread in hospitals. But as time went on, masks looked less and less effective as the virus mutated. And now we're at a point where masks are completely ineffective unless you're wearing an N95 mask. And even then, most people don't know how to use it well. And as a result, uh, the virus spreads even with an N95 mask. So why wear masks? And finally, guess what? The New York Times, the Washington Post, NPR, they're all starting to run stories saying, maybe we don't need kids in the masks. Maybe the masks aren't as effective. Remember the the airline CEOs went and testified before Congress, uh, United and Southwest, Delta wasn't there, but they said, we don't really need masks on planes because the airflow on planes is so good. There's never been, even at the height before the mask mandates on planes, there hasn't really been massive spread on planes. We don't need the uh, airflow. We don't need the masks. And people, if they're eating, they take off their mask and we're not seeing a spread from planes. And the media was hyperbolic, and to this day, they're insistent we got to always wear masks on planes. But the data is not there to support it. And we were all there before they were. Some of you and I still argue about masks in the early days. I still think it was worth it based on the data at the time and so much we didn't know. But at this point, all of us are on the same page, masks aren't an effective way to stop the spread of the fine particulate matter of an airborne Omicron variant of COVID. On the left, they can't get there yet. They've got to wait. They've got to wait for Dr. Fauci to say so. It's kind of funny how they accuse us of all having Joe Rogan and Fox News tell us what to think, and, and we keep arriving where they've where they arrive, and we arrive six months to a year before them. All of us individually listen to whoever we want, as opposed to the herd mentality of taking our orders from Dr. Fauci. But there's something new happening out there now. The New York Times is running stories and the Washington Post and NPR News and even the MSNBC hosts are starting to say, yeah, we may be, maybe time to go back to normal. Now, the reason they are doing it is because they're afraid Joe Biden and the Democrats are going to lose. It's all political. The moment they were to win, they'd make us all go back into masks and socially distance and shut down schools again. 
But for now, we should at least note that the conversations are beginning to change among the opinion leaders of the left. And where are they getting? This is the thing that fascinates me the most, is they are now arriving at the conclusions we all arrived at a year ago. It's taken them a year to get where we've already been. And it will take blue states another year to fully reopen in the way red states are. And so the economic data from from these Democratic states is still going to fall behind the economic data of of conservative states. I, I live in Georgia. Georgia was the first state to reopen. Georgia beat Florida in reopening. And you know what? Georgia now has record low unemployment. Georgia has seen a record run-up in tax revenue from the economy being open. It's not like they've raised taxes. In fact, they're going to cut taxes further. Georgia, Brian Kemp, the governor in Georgia, wants to cut taxes further and give teacher bonuses because we got so much revenue coming in because Georgia opened before everybody else opened. He was condemned, Brian Kemp was, even by Donald Trump, saying, oh, I think he opened too fast. Ron DeSantis followed suit. Other Republican governors did. And now, finally, year and a half, two years after Republican governors started doing this, the Democratic governors are like, I guess we can open up now. It's all safe. It's been safe for a while. It's just funny that the people who accuse the right of listening to Fox News and Joe Rogan are now suddenly arriving at the conclusions that all of us who we really didn't listen to Joe Rogan and Fox News, we just, for our independent sources and our own critical thinking, arrived at positions that the left is finally at. And we've been right the whole time on the seasonality and the the in, in, lack of efficacy of, of cloth masks at this point in the, in the spread, about the need to reopen, about the need to balance the economic and mental health well-being with the physical well-being of people as we navigate the virus, about the risks of kids being out of school, about the risks or lack thereof of kids being in mass and what it's going to do to kids, all these things we've been saying, suddenly they've arrived at the point. And the point is, why should we now believe anything they say when it's taking them so long to get to where we've been? And now suddenly they realize not only are we right, but they can't bring themselves to admit that we were right all along. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I got to get Kelly Leffler on the program. Kelly Leffler is the former senator from Georgia. And during the COVID pandemic, as it began, she was attacked pretty ruthlessly by the press corps for what they claim was trading on knowledge about COVID. Now, it was investigated and there was no there there. Uh, she and her husband had handed stuff over to, to um, private entities, and it turns out most of the trades were after uh, knowledge of COVID and what it could do were already um, impacted. But, you know, the press came after her anyway. She's got a uh, piece up at the Washington Examiner. Why Democrats won't investigate Paul Pelosi's stock trading. By now, conservatives across the country are familiar with the double standards of the left and the bias of the liberal media. But the case of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband and his illegal stock trades has elevated the undeniable hypocrisy of the left to new heights. Paul Pelosi's been accused of breaking the law by purchasing stock options for companies that Nancy Pelosi may regulate. But instead of simply calling for an investigation to address the concerns and with an unquenchable thirst for bureaucracy, Democrats are pushing new legislation to ban members of Congress and their families from holding stocks. Rather than demanding accountability and enforcing existing laws, 
The new legislation has the veneer of doing something, but without the political risks. Insider trading's already a crime. Given the actions by the Speaker's husband, a full investigation would provide needed transparency to the people. Yet no members of Congress or the media have come forward to demand an inquiry into Paul Pelosi's transactions or dealings. When I was attacked with a stock trading conspiracy, I knew the best answer was transparency, and I welcomed it. Spent over 20 years in the highly regulated financial services industry and built a career on expertise, integrity, and regulatory compliance. Due to my and my husband's roles, we did not have access to discretionary stock trading accounts and were contractually prevented from doing so. That's why when I entered the Senate, I already met a higher standard. But the Democrats are doing nothing. And I don't know if y'all have seen this. Now, stepping away from this, uh, the, the the entities that are out there that should be looking into what Paul Pelosi is doing, they're, they're not. And he has outperformed the market. He's outperformed most professionals on Wall Street when it comes to picking stocks. And it's not just him. Multiple other members of Congress involved in committees that regulate entities have outperformed not just the Wall Wall Street professionals, but the market as a whole. That in and of itself should raise a question. That in and of itself should call for an investigation. And yet what they would rather do in Washington is pass a new law to prohibit stock ownership, which, by the way, they should. They should do that, but they shouldn't do that and ignore the investigation into how is it that Nancy Pelosi's husband outperformed the professional Wall Street stockbrokers and mutual fund and hedge fund picks and also the market itself. How exactly? It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business, you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are, if you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. 